I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 90 of the podcast. Happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and hit that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an awesome week of First Class Fatherhood to bring you guys. Kicking it off today with best-selling author Robert Vera, who wrote a best-selling book called A Warrior's Faith, which details the story of Navy SEAL Ryan Job. And if you are unfamiliar with Ryan's story, please take a second to Google him and you will see for yourself just how inspirational this young man's life was. And my guest today, Robert Vera, really captures this hero's life story very well in his book, A Warrior's Faith. It's a quick read, it's a good read, and it will leave you in awe for sure. So please stay tuned for my interview with Robert Vera coming up in a couple of minutes here. Joining me on the podcast for Wednesday will be a former New York detective with over 28 years of law enforcement experience, James A. DeMeo, who has a best-selling book of his own out there titled, What's Your Plan? A Step-by-Step Guide to Keep Your Family Safe During Emergency Situations. And that will be a valuable conversation for all parents to listen in on. And Friday, I will have the honor of speaking with another frogman, former Navy SEAL Team 6 operator and founder of Veterans for Child Rescue, Craig Sawyer, will be here. And this first-class father is making a huge impact around the world, saving kids from being murdered, raped, and sold into slavery. I mean, this guy is intense. What he is doing is incredible. So please, do not miss a very important episode of First Class Fatherhood coming Friday. All right, I hope all of you enjoyed your weekend out there. I was coaching my son's flag football game yesterday, and Chili Willie the Pangwang made his first appearance of the season. Man, was it cold out there. It was the kind of weather that's awesome to play football in, but not so much great for the parents who were stuck on the sidelines watching. It was bitter cold out there, and if you are up here in the northeast and your kids were playing outside yesterday, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, Halloween is fast approaching, and since I am the head class parent of my daughter's pre-K class, I am working together with another class mom to put together the Halloween party. And one thing I am making sure to include is some good old-fashioned bobbing for apples. I'm going to make it so that each kid has their own bowl to bob in so that there's no cross-contamination possibilities. And I will definitely be posting pictures of that event on Twitter and Instagram, so please be sure to follow me over there at Alec Lace, at Alec underscore Lace. And be sure to lock it in and subscribe to the podcast here where we are celebrating fatherhood, fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here on the podcast that hit number one again on iTunes over the weekend for kids and family. I'm very proud of that. Thank you so much to all you listeners out there for continuing to shower me with support and continuing to download the episodes of First Class Fatherhood. It really goes a long way, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, So let me smack you guys with a quick little spot here on how you can help support the podcast if you're interested. And I will be right back with First Class Father, Robert Vera. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a first-class father. 
He is the author of a best-selling book titled A Warrior's Faith. He is a mentor to our returning veterans. He is a powerful keynote speaker and entrepreneur. It is a real privilege for me to say, Robert Vera, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. It's an honor to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Okay, let's get things started here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I get two kids, Matthew and Haley. Matthew is 13, or will be 13, um, and Haley is 15. And it's only for the rest of your life now. <laughs> All right. What type of sports or activities are the kids into? So Matthew um, plays uh, football, which, you know, I think that uh, football these days has changed. So it's, it's flag football. So he plays flag football. And my daughter Haley is a um, volleyball player, hopeful volleyball player. She's a freshman now in high school, and um, she's alternating between a freshman team or JV team. But she'd like to play in college, so that's, um, you know, it takes a lot of her time and, frankly, our time. I hear you on that. I have my kids all play flag football as well. I was just coaching my youngest son out there yesterday. Do you coach your kids at all, or do you uh, cheer them on from the sidelines? I, I uh, No, I do not coach for specific reasons. I think that um, it's hard to do, and I think um, kids, at least my kids, tend to listen to other people and um, take their advice. Um, probably more to heart. They think it's because it's, I'm their dad. I'm doing it for, for other reasons other than to improve them. But uh, So I don't coach, and I let um, the coaches here great. I mean, all volunteers, right? But they yeah. they uh, do an amazing job, and, um, and I, I don't think I've, we've ever had a bad coach with our kids. So it's been uh, so I don't coach our kids for specific reasons. Okay, Robert, please take a few minutes here to tell my listeners a little bit about your background, what it is that you do, and what led you to writing the best-selling book, A Warrior's Faith, about Navy SEAL hero Ryan Job. Yeah, so I started off, I was a um, staff assistant. My uh, First of all, I went to Boston College, so I'm originally from Massachusetts. I live in um, Phoenix, Arizona now. I moved here oh, almost 19 years ago, um, 18, actually 18 years ago. Um, I originally came here to do uh, an MBA. I'd been in Boston, grew up, was raised in, in Boston, went to um, high school, college there, um, worked there. My first job out of college, I was um, a staff assistant for a United States senator. I worked uh, mostly in Boston. Um, many people would know who he was, Ted Kennedy. I was a staff assistant for Ted Kennedy for, for um, well, about five years. Um, left that, went into banking, so I became an investment banker and worked in the banking industry um, for better part, almost, uh, let's see, about 16 years, just through different, you know, through merger acquisitions, different places. I ended up, my last stop was um, Merrill Lynch started up a group. I was vice president of business financial services at Merrill Lynch in Phoenix, Arizona. I left there in, um, I left there in 2006, so I was late in 2006 because I, I um, you know, I just sort of, Knew I that wasn't really for me. I'd been in it for a while, sort of just was getting anxious about sort of what is it that I really want to do. And um, during that period of time, a friend of mine, uh, I'd been an athlete in high school and college. I was a walk-on at Boston College. I played football there. Um, and uh, when I got out, uh, uh, of, you know, I kind of missed the sort of athletics, right, um, just being part of a team. So I hadn't really done it, um, you know, as a team for a long time. So a friend of mine started doing Ironman triathlons, and I thought, wow, that's, I've always wanted to do one of those things. You see them on TV, right? And um, so one day in 2003, I just signed up for one. And, um, you know, I remember coming home and 
and telling my wife we were pregnant with our with our first child, Haley, and um, I remember telling her, "Hey, honey, you know, I uh, I just signed up for an Ironman triathlon." And she's like, "Great, what's that?" He's like, "Well, you know, it's a, it's a 2.4 mile swim, then you ride your bike for 112 miles, and then you do a, a marathon, a 26.2 mile marathon. It's a race. You got to do it, and you got to finish in less than 17 hours." And she said, "That's great. Guess what?" And I was like, "What?" She's like, "You don't know how to swim." So it's like, well, you're right, but I, you know, I got almost a year. I'll figure it out. I'm a big picture guy. So I actually did, you know, I finished one and did a, did a few others and really enjoyed the process. I mean, really enjoyed it. I, I would wake up before work, I'd go train, I'd come back after work, I'd train, and I just really enjoyed it, you know, part of a group. And so in 2006, uh, when I left, I decided to leave the banking industry and I went and set up a workplace wellness company. Um, based on the tenants, the, the training tenants of Ironman Triathlon. And it went really, really well. Uh, we were um, incorporated into the President's Challenge, which was an initiative of Health and Human Service, part of the White House. Um, we did workplace wellness for corporations across the country. Um, just did an amazing work. I really enjoyed that. Along the way, um, I had the opportunity, one of my friends who, who had um, joined the Navy came out to visit me in Arizona. I'd been in a workplace wellness uh, client, and I introduced him to the clients there. And uh, one of the clients at that workplace wellness um, organization said, hey, do you know, does your friend um, who is in the Navy know another guy in the Navy named Ryan Job?" And so I, I kind of just asked him, hey, you know, know a guy named Ryan Job. This is my friend from Boston who had never been to Phoenix before. He ended up uh, knowing Ryan Job, And um, we went and met this guy, Ryan Job, who I'd never met before. had no idea who he was. Um, we met him, and he ended up um, with a Navy SEAL. Uh, he um, he was on a rooftop in Ramadi, Iraq, in 2006 in August, and he was shot in the face by a sniper and made blind. And um, so I met him. You know, he's like, "Hey, I heard you own a workplace wellness company. I got an opportunity to do, um, you know, to climb Mount Rainier, and I heard you do Ironman triathlons. I'd love to train with you. You know, do you want to train with me?" And this guy was totally blind. I figured, yeah, he must know he's blind. Sure, I'll train with you. So we just became really, really good friends. And um, eventually, I, I ended up selling the, uh, well, actually, uh, the algorithm. I ended up transferring the algorithm to another company, getting out of the workplace wellness business. Um, but Ryan Job and I became really good friends um, until the day he died. And I ended up writing the story of our friendship um, in the book called The Warrior's Faith and um, of what happened to him and our friendship and, and, and how his life changed so many other people's lives that knew him. Um, and now what I do now is I'm a full-time author. And speaker, I, um, I, I write full time now. I'm on my, uh, you know, I've done about a bunch of ghost writing, and, and I'm on my second, uh, fourth book, um, and uh, do speaking across the country just on transformation. Like how how do you transform? How do you go from ordinary to extraordinary? So that's what I've been doing over the last, you know, um, well, five years now. Yeah, your book, A Warrior's Faith, I mean, telling the story of Ryan Job, it is so inspirational. I really believe every American should read it. My listeners out there know how much I love and respect our veterans, especially our Navy SEALs. And 06 Ramadi was really one of those places where we learned of so many Navy SEAL legends. Ryan Job, Mark Lee, Mikey Monsoor, Chris Kyle, uh, Jocko Willink was in that batch. Um, and I even had the honor of speaking with one of the Punishers here on the podcast. I had Kevin Lace and his wife join me here a while back. And 
uh, I was really honored to get a chance to speak to him. But Robert, please tell me what type of impact, I'm not, I'm not sure how old they were, but what type of impact, if any, did Ryan Job have on your kids? Yeah, well, my kids were really young when Ryan, Ryan passed in uh, September 24th of 2009. So Haley was, um, pretty young. Matthew was, was, um, you know, two years old. So, but they, they knew Ryan. I mean, I think what was really interesting about Ryan, a lot of, a lot of the guys that I work with now, many of them are missing parts. They're blind. I mean, they come back and I'm kind of a mentor to guys transitioning through. And, um, and they, they didn't see Ryan as any different. And I think that was really important. Like Ryan didn't act blind. He didn't, um, you know, he didn't need help. Um, they, but they saw him as not, like they'd go over and talk to Ryan. They'd take his hand. Um, but, you know, they, they, you know what I mean? They didn't see Ryan as, <laughs> they didn't treat Ryan as any anything different. I mean, Ryan in, in their mind, I think was really cool, right? Because he had this beautiful dog. He was with them all the time. You know what I mean? He's well trained. So from their perspective, they thought Ryan was like a superhero, right? Because he he was just this amazing guy who. Um, you know, being blind to them was, was, it was cool, right? He, he just couldn't see, but he had this dog that saw for him. So from a kid's perspective, they're in, they have such fond memories of Ryan and just who he was and how he treated them. Um, it was really great, um, to have Ryan in my life at that time because, you know, he didn't have kids at that point. And, um, and I think that kids are really accepting. You know what I mean? They just take you for who you are, right? And they just loved, when Mr. Ryan came over, which was pretty often, they just loved being, you know, being part of his life. So cool. All right, I know that you said you mentor veterans uh, who are returning home, and one thing that always chokes me up, whenever I see the videos of the men and women returning home from war and seeing their kids for the first time in months, uh, it really gets to me. I, I love especially when they show up unannounced and it's captured on video and just seeing the reaction of the kids. I mean, it really gives me goosebumps. I could definitely not imagine being away from my family for so long and to be with my life at risk that entire time. I mean, I, I can't even begin to imagine, but being away during the birth of your child has to be a whole nother level of difficulty. So I'm kind of curious, did you ever have to deal with any of the veterans that had that experience of being deployed while their child was born? And if so, what effect did that have on them? Not, you know, soon thereafter. I mean, most of the guys I know have been here and then had to go away, right, you know, soon thereafter being born. But, you know, I think whether it's, it's you know, the birth, not being there for the birth, I, I think the hardest thing is, I think, when you're there, and I've never been in the military, I, I don't know exactly what it is. I think it's, I think when you're there, you're so focused on the job, and there's so many, you know, there's just, there's, there's just so, you're so focused. I think what happens, I've felt this a few times when guys come back, when they, when they come back and see their kids for the first time, it's sort of like, you know, it's, you have to, you know, it's like, wow, they've grown, they've changed, they're like, they're different people now, right? And to build, you know, you have to rebuild a relationship with them. I think that's really challenging, right? To, to really reintegrate back here to a place in society that, um, you know, doesn't necessarily value, um, the, the service that they, they not value, but I think that in some ways it's sort of taken for granted, the service and the sacrifice that they've made. And then try to, you know, build relationships with your, your kids. You're trying to build relationships with everybody else in the world, right? Or everyone else here. And now you got to build relationships with your own family. It's, I think it's very difficult. 
Yeah, I think the movie American Sniper portrayed that very well. And, and it's unfortunate. There is a good percentage of people who are completely tuned out or seemingly unaware that right now we still have men and women in the battle overseas and around the world who are fighting to protect our freedom. And uh, for way too many people, it's kind of uh, an out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Yeah, but not for kids, right? So you know your dad's in harm's way. You know your mom's in harm's way. You know, that weighs heavy on the minds of young young children, right? And, and, and then to... What what I really like, I'm very I'm hypersensitive to this now, but I'm very sensitive to news media. And if if you know, I wouldn't want my kids watching the news media, if especially these days, if you know, like I was overseas fighting somewhere, I just wouldn't not want them watching it. The way the news media I think portrays uh, um, our service members um, is not, in some ways, it's not accurate. Um, you know, many of the stories you see. Uh, are sort of these, um, you know, returning veterans are somehow, um, you know, broken. And that's really not the case. There's some that are, but there's many people that are broken. But I, I think for children watching the news media, you know, the news media tends to focus on the worst-case scenarios, um, to focus on certain things. And, and really this, this image we have of returning veterans is not one I would want my kids or other kids to see because that's not the that's not the truth. That's not that's not my experience, and I know a lot of returning veterans. So I think the news media is very hard on on kids these days, and I think that you know the news media um, has a certain bias, as we now know, right? And they, they want to portray a bias of of returning veterans or here's what's going on in the military, which is not it's not it's not accurate. You know, it's it has a slant to it that's that can be hurtful to, to kids watching those news programs. Yes, I agree. And I would also say that the way dads are portrayed in the media and on TV does not match up with most of the dads today. And I have been so blessed to have spoken with so many veterans on the podcast here and give them any opportunity to share their fatherhood experience because it's important to hear them. It's important to hear those stories. I'm not a military person, but I understand what it's like to be a father. And that's really what we have all in common here as dads. And the picture of fatherhood that is being painted by the media falls far short of the true image and character of the majority of dads that I know and have spoken with on the podcast. Yeah, you know, I, I'm glad we have this conversation because I'll tell you something. I, I think that, look, let's face it, like I, I am, I think uh, the media wants me, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day and I, and I said, you know, it's really strange. Like I, I've never seen on the back of a car soccer dad or volleyball dad. It's always soccer mom or volleyball mom, right? I'm a dad. I'm not an assistant mother. I'm a dad. Like, I have, you know, my, the way I do things, the way I, you know, say things, the way I do things, like, I see the world in a different view, right? It's not right or wrong. It's just different, right? So, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, for example, like, if a kid gets hurt in a soccer game or football game, you give him his minute, but you got to make the distinction between, you know, is that kid really hurt or is this, um, you know, is this attention? You know what I mean? There's a difference. And you can't feed into the attention, right? You give him his time, you get, pick him up, you dust him off, you put him back out there, right? I Literally, a lot of times I see this overly sort of, you know, he's not really hurt, right? But, you know, it's, it's you know, parents and mothers and fathers. They're, they're coddling these the kids, right, who, who are just doing it because they missed the ball. And it's not attention, it's frustration. And you have to know the difference between I'm hurt and I'm frustrated. 
And dads know that. Instinctively, we know that, right? You just know kids are, I mean, why do mothers do too, right? But you know, hey, you know what? Kids frustrated. That's life. You're going to have to work through some things, right? And, um, you know, suck it up. You got to pick it up, dust it off, and get right back in there because frustration is part of the process. You're going to have to struggle through it. But this is a good learning lesson. These days, I think that parents don't want their kids to be frustrated and struggle. I agree. And I. All right, it is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. I was very fortunate here to speak with some NFL Hall of Famers on the podcast, and we talked all about how kids today, they're put right into organized sports right out of the box. I mean, my kids as young as four years old with referees, coaches, parents watching over them. Uh, but when we were kids, we played a ton of street ball. There, there was no refs or parents, nobody around to coddle the kid who got hurt. The kid just kind of walked off to the sideline, caught some wind, and came right back into the game. And I think we've kind of robbed our kids of that opportunity to learn and grow in that way. Yeah, I mean, they, like when we were kids, you had to sort it out. If you got into it with somebody, there was no referee. You had to figure it out, right, between each other. You know, and, and, and you wanted to move on with the game, so you did figure it out. You, did, you weren't looking. I mean, you took responsibility for a lot more as a kid. You know, I think than when we were younger. I mean, I'm in my 50s. You know, I think when, when you know, we, you just took responsibility because you, there wasn't this, this formal organization of somebody refereeing your life all the time, right? And you had to sort it out. You just had to go and, like, figure it out. If it was, I mean, you know, if there was somebody who was kind of a bully, you figured that out too, right? You, you, um, you know what I mean? You didn't let anybody, you had agency, right? You, you had agency to figure it out and do something about it and, um, not, not sort of, you know, look around for somebody to help you all the time or to referee it. Yeah, as kids, we had to solve the problems. We picked who was going to play on what team. We called all the penalties when they popped up. Any of the fights that had happened or the disputes, we settled them, and then the game moved on. Yeah, you, you build, you know, you naturally built alliances, and you know, you you um, you did those things. And there was a hierarchy, but <clears throat> you knew sort of, okay, here's how this works, and you know, here's where I fit in, and I'm part of a team, and you know, that that's. That's and here's how I improve and all those things. I think a lot of that has been taken away um, for, for the kids of today because they spend most of their time inside. We're, we're told we can't, you know, I think in a lot of ways we're told we can't be, be men or fathers. Like, I just think differently. I just think differently. I, I, I know the difference between frustration and hurt. Um, I know what that looks like. And, you know, there's one that, you know, I, I, I sort of treat it the same way. Like, okay, you know, just pick it up, start it up. But, you know, if someone's hurt, okay, you gotta, we gotta go have this checked out. You know, if, if my kids have gotten hurt in sports, and we got it checked out, right? They've also been very frustrated. But I think if you play into that when, it, when they're very young, frustration, it, it persists. And, um, you know, I just think there's a big difference these days between, you know, fatherhood, um, you know, what, what you, uh, what your, what the society wants you to be as, as a dad and what you really are as a dad. I mean, look, look, I'm not an assistant mother. I'm a dad. Yeah, the way I phrase that here on the podcast is that we're not babysitters. We're fathers. And, and it drives me crazy when there's a dad out there by himself, uh, be it in the supermarket or whatever, and he's got his child with him. And the typical response is, oh, you have the kids. Good for you. You're giving the wife a break. And then here comes that pat on the back. And that's just not who we are. That's not the dads that I know. Yeah, I mean, I, I do all the food shopping for my family. Why? It's because I think food is a drug, right? And it's the most pervasive drug you'll ever put in your body. 
Literally, it is. Caffeine keeps you up. Turkey has tryptophan in it to put you to sleep, right? So I don't want my kids to have added sugar. Just don't, right? I don't want my kids to have certain things like glutens and all these other things. Just don't. Why? Because I owned a workplace wellness company. I saw the antecedents of illness are the foods that you put in. So so I go to the supermarket, right? I do that stuff. Do I enjoy it? Sometimes I do. Sometimes it's just, you know, I got to go, right? But But I feel the same way. It's like if I show up at the supermarket, like, I don't think it's like people look at me and say, oh, you're giving mom a break. But I do think, like, you know, I do see, you know, more women than men there. And um, and I do think it's weird that, like, that, that someone says, well, that, that 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 may be a woman's job or something like that. Like, no, I do it for these are the reasons why I do it. And, you know, I was with, uh, and I was with Matthew the other day, my son, and we stopped. I just stopped in the middle of the store and I looked up and um, he's like, Dad, what's wrong? And I was looking around at the, you know how they have the, the, the names or the, the, uh, the names of the aisle on the, they drop down in the aisle, you know what I'm talking about, the signs? Right. So I'm looking up and I just, I, I, it occurs to me, oh my God, I can't believe this. I'm looking up and there's one aisle, one aisle in all the stores, there's that sign, all the other signs read, one aisle. And it says, health food. I said, Matthew, what's in all the other aisles? Yeah, and there's nobody in that aisle. There's no one in that aisle. It's a weird thing, right? You know, it's just like, wait a minute, this is like if if this is health food, what's in all these other aisles? <laughs> so, um, but that's why I do that, right? That's why I go shopping. I, you know, like, and I take my kids there, and they know, like, they see it, and they see that, um, you know, the other kids who are kind of they're they're not as discriminatory in what they put in. They see the performance. They see, you know, a lot of things. So it's just. That's why I do that. But it shouldn't be that that's, like, my wife's job, right? That's, you know, it's my job. Like, I, you know, I care about what my kids put in. If you think that food is the most pervasive drug you'll ever put in your body, if you think that, you know, there's no coincidence that we have, you know, high incidence of childhood and infant um, uh, diabetes, like, how do you, like, how do you get that if it's not genetic? It, it comes from the foods that we eat. So there's no, the, the, the relationship is, is pretty clear now. And we have, um, kids with, with, um, you know, lifelong diseases because of the foods that they eat. So I prefer just to, to preclude all of that by just doing the shopping, right? And so I don't see that as my wife's job. I, I know she doesn't, she, she didn't own a workplace one of those companies. She doesn't have any of that, right? I, I'm the one that can influence this, so I do. But, um, again, like that's not me being an assistant mother. That's me exercising what I think is my knowledge, my experience, and my background to, in a way, protect my family. Yeah, I think the world has definitely moved on from stereotyping women as the sort of stay-at-home mom or the homemaker. I mean, we know now that moms play a much bigger role today in the family, in the society, in the community. But we're still kind of stuck on viewing fathers like they're the dopes that just bring home the bacon and that's all he's good for. And it's, that's sad. It's not true. Yeah, I mean, that, that to me, like, literally, that is such a um, dangerous place to put my son, you know what I mean, and, and myself, like, men in this today, we're, we're, that's just not it, right? And and, and so what, what that is, it is, is an assistant mom, right? So you just want me to do, you know, you're, you'll take the lead, you'll parent, I'll just be the assistant mom, I'll just... I'll just go to work and bring this home. But I think dads play a really important role. Men play a really important role in the healthy, um, in the health of society and the health of the family. And 
you know, like I want my kids to know, both Matthew and Haley, that look, here's how you get things done. Um, you know, here's here's how, you know, to treat people. Um, you know, and, and women, look, uh, it's not that women are great. Like, uh, there's, there's, I've noticed these things over the years. Like, I was talking to a friend the other day. I'm like, women are much better at communicating. I mean, they commune, right? And I said to him, when was the last time you ever, you ever like, looked at your friend and like, hey, want to go to the bathroom together at a restaurant? Never Don't happened. do that. You know what I mean? Like, that, that would never occur to me. That, like, I'm going to wait for my friend to go to the bathroom. So we go, you know, like, like, we don't commune like that. Yeah, and that's why I think it's important for kids to have both sides. You need a mother to love and to nourish and a father to protect and defend. And it doesn't really matter who plays those roles, but it takes a village to raise a child, right? And once the family structure breaks down and the family values go out the window, major problems manifest in the community very quickly where that's occurred. I agree. And, 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 you know, and I think, the, I think the village is like the mother and father, right? I don't think you need other people's, you know, dysfunction in a way, you know what I mean? But the family unit. So um, for me, it's really important to, to be the father. And, you know, and a lot of times I think a lot of men feel like, you know, it, it is, it's a fight at home where, you know, you're trying to say, look, this is what we have to do. And the mother's natural tendency is to protect. And she thinks that, you know, if, well, if Johnny doesn't want to eat spinach, you know, it's okay. He doesn't like it. Well, look, there's downstream consequences of not eating and not eating vegetables and spinach and all those things, right? Because what he is eating is, is is basically poison. So I mean, there's downstream consequences. So I think that you know the idea of of saying, look, this is I, I think you know being a father and saying, look, this is what I know for sure, and this is how I think about things. You know what? I and I know this is is the right thing to do. Um, you know, I think that men, you know, are 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 better equipped to do that. Uh, my wife is much more accommodating to my kids, and she'll let them get by with things. You know, that they'll 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 kind of like she'll let them slide on a lot of things. That that so they'll, she's a pushover in a lot of ways, and they know that dad's not a pushover, right? Um, you know that he. But I'm not doing it for any other reason that I want them to be successful at something, and I and I want them to. You know, if they're frustrated, they're going to have to push through. So I just think that, you know, men today, you know, you have to be a dad, not an assistant mom. Yes, you need someone to nourish and someone to protect. Yeah, and, and you got to know how to protect and you got to know how. And, you know, you got to, like my kids come and work out with me. I, I, I take them, you know, I know that they, they probably don't want to do all the things I do. Like I, I take guys and climb Mount Rainier. They probably don't want to do that with me. I've asked them. Um, I take guys, you know, across the Grand Canyon, you know, 50 miles across. They probably don't want to do that with me yet. Um, I take guys, like I'm on a border of a school in Costa Rica. I take folks there. I, I think it's great, but probably don't want to do with that with me yet. Um, but those are the things that, that sort of open you up, right? Those are the things that challenge you. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is with, with you know, um, with kids, they're, they they have a sense of adventure, but their sense of adventure is, I think, these days really curtailed by, um, you know, is it, it, you know, what's the risk? And I think when I was a kid, like, you didn't think about risk. Uh, I, I thought about adventure. I thought about fun. I didn't think about risk, you know. 
And when you really think about it, I mean, what 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 was the worst thing that could happen? Like I skin a knee or break a bone or something like that. I would have still done, and I did do those things, and I would still done them all the same way. So it wasn't okay. like you know what I mean. I, I, like even though it resulted in a skin knee or broken bone, I was still done it. Yeah, nobody who ever accomplished anything big in life did so by sitting in the corner, afraid to make a move. They did it by throwing the dice, getting out there, taking a shot, believing it was possible, despite all the setbacks that could occur. Yeah, there's always risk in everything, right? There's, there's more risk, I think, in sitting down. Like, you know, someone said to me <laughs> the other day, sitting is the new smoking. And, <laughs> and kids sit down all day, and then they play the computers all day. Right? They're, they're literally, that's what they're doing. They're setting themselves up for, you know, those illnesses. But I think it's, it's interesting to be a father today in 2018 and with, with everything that society says we should be, we shouldn't be, you can't do this, you shouldn't do that. And then, um, you, you know, it's just, it just seems so, um, like, like, who are we? Like, yeah. you know, who, you know what I mean? Who are we? Like, am I still, like, this is what I believe. Like, I know it. I know my wife doesn't think the same way I do. It's okay. I don't think the same way she does. And um, But I want my kids to know, like, hey, these are certain things that I know are true. You know, these are the things you're going to have to do. And I know you're going to have to, you know, look, there's going to be some frustration. There'll be some setbacks. You're just going to have to work through it. You know, giving yeah. up is not an option. Going around, over, under, or through sometimes is. You have to figure that out. And I know, guess what? You're probably going to get banged up a little bit emotionally, physically, but guess what? You'll be all right. It's going to be all right. Yeah, hey, listen, I agree with your entire philosophy here on parenting, on fatherhood. Uh, please, Robert, tell me, what are you working on right now? Are there any other books in the making? Are you speaking anywhere soon? What's next for Robert Vera, and where can the listeners connect with you? <clears throat> yeah, so working on another book with I think would be a great guest for you. Um, he's um, You've had a few guests I've heard on your show, Jay Redmond and a few others. My next book um, is a, with another Navy SEAL named Mike Day. Um, really interesting guy. Um, Mike was a SEAL. In fact, um, Jay Redmond probably told a story on your show where he was shot. He was, um, I think, the, the same sort of bad guys that, that, that um, Jay was involved with, um, Mike got in a fight with. So Mike did as a Navy SEAL, and he was shot 27 times um, and threw a grenade at him, tried to kill him, and all in the space of a of a um, 10 by 10 foot room. Just an incredible story of what what he did, um, and then what he's done since. So that's that's my next book. Um, the, the speaking I do, I'm with Eagle Rise Speakers Bureau, so you can find me there. I speak across the country, corporations um, mostly, um, but you can find me. You know, obviously. Book available on Amazon. You can find me online. It's 2018. Just Google me. You'll find me. Awesome. And I am aware of Mike Day. I will definitely be reaching out to him. All right, Robert. Last thing I'm going to hit you with here. I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast. What type of advice could you give to the new dad or to that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Yeah, great question. Um, so n nothing's really going to prepare you. Like, people can tell you um, – that it is, oh, it's this, it's that. Look, the fact of the matter is you're not going to sleep much. You're not, and that's okay. Like, you'll get through that. Like, you just have a lot of sleeplessness. It's not as hard as you think. You are equipped with it. Um, with all the skills you need, it's not as scary. Um, but you just won't sleep a lot. Um, 
try not to travel as much in the first three years. That would be my advice. Just hunker down, stay at home, because traveling, I did a lot of traveling with our kids. My wife is Canadian. Um, we traveled with our kids. It's exhausting, and here's why. It's not like you're going on vacation. You're just taking everything you basically own with you. You're just changing locations, right? Car seats, everything. So it's very difficult. So I'd suggest just, yeah, it's an endurance game, long haul. Try to get as much sleep as you can. And don't travel for the first three years. It just makes life more complicated. Just kind of stay at home, do those things. But that's that's sort of the advice. You'll get through it. It's just um, you won't sleep much, for the, but that's the hardest part is you just don't sleep a lot. Well said. Right on with that. Okay, Robert Vera, it has been a lot of fun shooting the breeze here with you today about fatherhood. I just want to say thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, sir. All right, I will be right back after a quick spot. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Robert Vera for giving me a few minutes of his time here on the podcast. That was pretty cool. Please hit me up on Twitter. Drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I'm always curious to get your feedback. And lock it into First Class Fatherhood coming Wednesday. Former New York detective and best-selling author James DeMeo will be here with me. And Friday, former frogman and founder of Veterans for Child Rescue, Craig Sawyer. It is an episode you do not want to miss. That's all I got for you guys today. Please keep it locked in here. Thank you for listening today. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, dads, we are not babysitters. We're fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Tall as a tree, and it's all feeling so.